just when you thought it was safe to go into your podcast provider of choice and search for what's new we're back like the bad penny turning up on your doorstep but we're not bad we're heroes because it's nighttime in the city and three individuals seeking justice have returned to save the day first of all there's brad fashion icon monster the knitting needle he can create costumes like this or arm full of power to save you when you most need it here he is brad welcome good evening how are you i'm doing good thank you for that thank you for those uh those compliments uh, i don't know how to take them <laughs> the truth next we have seth Hero of hope, a shield emblazoned, brimming with power, able to heal the most deadful of wounds and bring back the flagging and those who need hope and power at the end of days. Seth, welcome. How are you, my brother? I'm here. I've got some hope. I'm happy to do a little healing. I'm with a great company. And for those of you worried about the fact that it's just the men folk today, don't worry. We have the courage, the charisma of the women who will be back on the show next time around. So I, I'm already starting us with that hope. All right. We keep the torch. We burn it bright. Nice. And finally, there is I, master of tongues, the bamboozler, Steve J. Ray, who can chat so much nonsense that even the most fearsome of foes will have themselves wanting to bash their own brains in with a marshmallow before the podcast is over. And here we are once again with all the news related to DC Comics, movies, TV and streaming, and of course, comics, where it all started. So, gentlemen, let us begin. First of all, we start with movie news. And uh, Arbats, the man himself, stuck in his home as we all are comments about um not being that uh, annoyed at the lockdown brad what did you make of this fantastic story uh you know i i kind of can sympathize with him i think he's trying to make the best out of a kind of a crummy situation and i'm sure jumping from a movie like tenet uh, to a movie like the batman you didn't get a lot of rest it's been very physical and very hard work so I'm sure at the end of the day, a break isn't so bad. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm kind of glad that he said that they did have a good rhythm so that I think a good rhythm in making that film will help the film succeed and be a good film. So I hope when they do get back to shooting that they can you know, maintain and get that rhythm, rhythm back. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I'm glad that he said hopefully that it'll be sooner rather than later as well. So. You know, I feel for the guy. I think he's just making the best out of a bad uh, situation. Seth, what do you think? Well, I, I embrace his optimism. I really enjoy the fact that he, you know, can see this as an opportunity to take a break and fully prepare instead of sort of, you know, uh, sprinting headlong from Christopher Nolan's Tenet into Batman and also, you know, so much that was going around the announcement that he is Batman, that the production has started, you know, that that's a lot to process. And if you're so busy working that you're like forest with the trees, it's got to be great to be able to step back and do like you said, to make the best of a difficult situation. Um, know that right now he can do a lot of preparation. He can focus a bit on promoting Tenet while also, you know, 
kind of getting whatever he needed to processed enough so that when he comes back to Batman, he's fresh. And I also loved what you said about the rhythm. I think that's really important. I think there's a value when you can, you know, know what was working before. Do that great thing, which we heard from the director, about how, you know, that time and understanding can be applied to any twists you want to make to the script or any developments. And then also the the knowledge that, you know, this isn't going to be an easy project. It's Batman. There's a lot to go into it. The fact that he's using this time in that way, I think, speaks to his professionalism and to the care and uh, application he's bringing to the role. Steve, how about you, my friend? Yeah, he's uh, clearly got the right mindset. He was disappointed that the filming stopped, but obviously you need a break after filming anything with someone like Christopher Nolan because everything that man makes is going to be put under a huge microscope really scrutinized and obviously he's the man that directed the last big set of batman movies because obviously poor old uh, uh zach snyder's run was was ended uh, before it, it really had chance to build momentum so um the christopher nolan trilogy is still the most talked about set of batman movies for the right reasons not like the older uh, burton schumacher ones which seem to get progressively worse those the three films were all in very high regard amongst fans so yeah i think the guy deserves a break um we're all in the same boat wondering what's going to happen next but these positivity and the way that he seems very keen i mean obviously he's had a bit of stick saying he cut down on uh, working out he wasn't um following his nutritionist guidelines he just wanted to chill and so what listen he's probably just come off a really tough shoot with one of the most scrutinized directors in the world I'm sure that when he comes back to filming the Batman, he will be on top form and good luck to him. That's what I say. So um, can't wait. And um, hopefully we'll all be working soon and, and out of our homes, but only if it's safe. That's the important thing. Yeah, we want our films finished, but only if it's safe for everybody involved. And speaking of returning to roles, um, it's not exactly set in stone. This is almost a no news story, but Henry Cavill is reportedly in talks for coming back as Superman in cameos across the films that, that contain his uh, partners in crime from the Snyder years. Brad, what do you make of this story? This is kind of exciting. It makes me wish that I was a fly on the wall or kind of had some ends and some of the, you know, behind the scenes with what's going on with Warner Brothers and AT&T right now because it makes me wonder if they know what they have with the Snyder Cut and they know it's going to blow the doors off and it may want people to see more of of Cavill at, in the role because I know I liked him as Superman I'm, I'm totally happy with him coming back in any capacity uh, as far as you know what movies he could be in I'm guessing it would have to be Shazam 2 at this point I obviously Wonder Woman wouldn't work and it's to my mind it seems like Black Adam was kind of its own thing already they had what they were going to do with that already so I don't know if you would have a place in that so much but uh, yeah I I welcome him back Uh, you know I wouldn't even mind if everything you know went to the point where we could have a Man of Steel too, I'd totally be down uh, for that. Seth, what do you think? You know, for all the speculation that's involved with this story, I'm I'm really moved by the fact that we do get a lot of uh, opportunity to, you know, put into play the old uh, 
Sherlock strategy. Remove what's impossible or already disproven, and you're only left with a certain number of options. And that in this quote, we find out Man of Steel 2 is still a long ways away, and they haven't even agreed that they're going to make him the uh, the star of that. Um, it's not going to happen in Black Adam or Wonder Woman. So I immediately was thinking to myself, okay, well, we're whittling down the list here. And that's kind of a, a fun thing. I mean, if you want to get yourself a list at home and tell us how you're keeping track or we got, uh, you know, an unpaid intern at the DC Comics News staff who's up for doing this and charting the progress. It'd be kind of cool to sort of track how much of the uh, possibilities get whittled down. And that's really what I took away from this is knowing that they want to have something happen. They're telling us right away it's not going to happen in certain projects. So then we can start leading our attention to options like you suggested, Brad, like Shazam 2, uh, you know, something else that we know might be showing up. But we haven't considered how it can be used in this way or how we can make his uh, appearance, you know, um, work or get the most value out of it. Steve, what was your take? For me, speculation just lazy journalism. Until I hear it direct from Warner Brothers, AT&T, or Cavill himself, I'm going to take it with a pinch of salt. But you both have raised extremely valid points. Obviously, Seth, your symbol of Rao on your chest is definitely glowing bright with, with the hope aspect. Yes, it would be awesome if he does make a comeback. But like you said, Brad, I want a Man of Steel too because... Unlike many other fans, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I've championed Zack Snyder's films from the get-go. I love Man of Steel. I love Batman vs. Superman. I only wish the Justice League was a Zack Snyder film. But against all hope, we are getting the Snyder cut. So when that comes into place, maybe it will open more doors for Henry to return because he needs to and he deserves to. But I'm going to believe it when i hear it from the horse's mouth and not before that but i will remain hopeful because we are the three of us the heroes this city needs but the ones that this city really dreads because we're all bonkers so yep henry we love you to come back please do if you can because you are a fantastic superman now speaking of cuts made by a certain mr snyder um, this has opened the doors for all sorts of people to talk about other films where the creators weren't happy with the final result. And one of them is the much maligned, but again, a film I don't hate at all, Suicide Squad. Um, Brad, what did you make of this story? Yeah, I, I didn't hate Suicide Squad either. I think that it kind of got a bad rap. Um, I mean, it did have flaws. Um, but I would really kind of like to see Ayer's vision or Ayer's vision come to fruition and see that, especially if what we get with the Snyder Cut was a lot better than the movie that we did get to see in the theaters. So, yeah, I'm down for this. And this could be a whole new way of thinking about films if if the Snyder Cut gets released and is super successful and this gets released and is super successful. I, it makes me curious what other kind of director cuts we could see uh, down the line, because it'll be like a domino effect, I think. I think that if there is kind of speculation that there are director's cuts out there or the director didn't have his vision realized on the screen. So uh, it's interesting. And I I really like AT&T's Twitter response to the question, uh, one thing at a time. So they're not ruling it out. And, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be an, an interesting year as we get past covid and things kind of start to write themselves and 
we get to see where the culture is at. And I think the Snyder Cut's going to be one of those big pillars of how we see it and what comes after. So I hope we do get to see the the Suicide Squad final cut. Seth, what do you think? I really, you know, I, I love the enthusiasm behind the people in this article who are just saying, hey, you know, we're here. We're ready. What, what, what's going on? Com- complete the gift, <laughs> which is such a really sweet little phrase. And yeah, one thing at a time, anything is possible. All it takes is a little magic. Um, you know, these are these are great statements that point to possibility. And it's an interesting uh, differentiation uh, to what we saw when initially people were like, well, where's the Snyder cut? And they were like, no, no, no. And here you've got more of a, hey, maybe we should just get on board with this thing. You never know. And let's see how much this generates a response. So I think it's a really smart play. It's vague, but it also gives them the chance to sort of see, well, how much does it take to really get the waters churning? And then once they do, what are we going to do about it? And if they're smart, and I would like to think they are for the amount of money they make, they would use this time to start putting some, you know, pre-planning in place. Because if they know that they can track the generated response and they're getting a build that says, hey, we need to do this, they can be moved to the right position and they can make it look good, dollars and cents, and everybody walks away happy. Most importantly, the fans who want to see a complete version. How about you, Steve? It's like you say, uh, and it will all depend, of course, on the success or failure of the Snyder Cut. Because obviously, after all this hype, it really needs to be good. Or it might put the kibosh on the whole thing of any other cut coming out. But I'm really open to it. I would love to see it because we're all creators. We're all writers. uh, And nothing is more heartbreaking from a creative point of view than not seeing your vision um, reach fruition and seeing it squashed or cut or changed or or ruined in, in some respects in some ways so he definitely deserves that chance and I do want to see more of what he had planned uh, with Leto as the main villain rather than bringing that whole supernatural um, Enchantress Brother stuff that they ended up using just to make it more SFX heavy so the fact that they're throwing 20 to 30 million behind the Snyder Cut be it in a TV show or in a really long movie is exciting but David Ayer said that his film his version is almost complete it would need very little work indeed so I hope it happens um, I always want to see creators let get a chance to, to to make their art and we've always said it haven't we guys from the beginning let the creators create um, nothing should stop art because it's what keeps us all going at the end of the day when times are dark and the road ahead looks grim so please let it happen but um yeah like you said AT&T one thing at a time is a lot better than uh-uh, nope nope nada no nope, ain't gonna happen so I will remain as my friend Seth ever hopeful because you know <laughs> until they say no it's not gonna happen it still could so fingers crossed it will still come about hey Steve, definitely yeah i just realized something you brought up that's really important you know there's another reason why it would be so valuable for them to pay attention to the response of the the snyder cut is because yes. uh the heirs had pointed out that at the end with the scene with enchantress a lot of that was supposed to tie into constructs that were part of apocalypse that would exactly. thus make more, co- you know, sense and connection with Justice League, right? 
yeah that whole thing with the cars floating and stuff was supposed to be leading into the formation of a boom tube with dark side at the end of it so um that ties in perfectly with what snyder uh, had in mind and obviously ties in perfectly with our next story which is uh, the fact that zach has released pictures or concept pictures of his version of dark side who standing there with his weapon truly is brad what do you make of this fascinating piece? you know i i kept trying to make this picture bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and he is a little blurry but it looks cool the the background looks pretty impressive and pretty frightening to what the justice league might be facing uh you know i just i, I i'm hoping that he has uh i mean it's going to be hard to give him a bigger role but it would be nice to see I, I i hope it's not just little cameos here and there i hope he plays a big part but yeah i mean i'm liking the look so far even though the picture when i try to make it bigger is still a little blurry uh seth what do you think I'm so glad I'm not the only one, Brad. You're yeah. you're you're opening a can of worms that I think we can all fish one out and say it happened to me. It happened to me because I downloaded it. I tried to zoom it. Like I was just yeah. like, why are you resisting me so much? Um, and the challenge is that there's part of it that feels like, wow, what a dark side. And then the other part of me was like, yeah, but he's so small with the stuff around the back of the head i'm getting these weird predator vibes i don't know what to do why can't i make it bigger why can't i make it bigger uh the war machines are awesome in the background those things are just savage <laughs> and the flying addition like it, it it you get this feeling of like oh this is a full frontal military assault um so i i love the uh the the hint and um <laughs> The overlay of just death and damnation in this thing. It's pretty awesome. How about you, Steve? One might even say it's apocalyptic. I can't believe I went there. Um, <laughs> I yeah, believe you're, you. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. I mean, the, the picture itself, small, is brilliant. That whole volcanic feel to it. It's like a, a world coming to an end. But you blow it up and the bigger it gets, the worse it gets. It becomes pixelated beyond belief it's it, it's it's crazy yes i did it too guys yes we are all working from the same hive mind once again but <laughs> what fascinates me is and i don't know if you guys thought about this as well with uh tom king and ava duvernay's new gods movie coming in if the Zack snyder cut of justice league is successful Will that film have ties to this DCEU? Does this mean if the film works, the Snyder Cut is as successful as we hope, that the DCEU could be back in track? Will we see? Yeah, will we see Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck and the whole gang reunited? Personally, I hope so. Uh, yeah. But but I think that that's really going down a wormhole, uh, a rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, um, because then that gets into the whole. Me as a fan, I would love to see that happen. Uh, but I kind of think of all the people that are casual fans that will go see the movies, but not necessarily read the books, not have all the lore in their head from years and years of continuity. Um, that might confuse them. But for me as a hardcore fan, I would love to see the Snyder Cut do so well that it brings back the DCU as a more of a, as a concept like it was, instead of the same kind of actors but in different unrelated movies. So I would love that to happen, but I'm not, but I'm very realistic about it and not sure that that will, but I would love to see it happen. What about you, Seth? 
Well, one, I have to just applaud Brad for the fact that instead of rabbit hole, he immediately went to wormhole and then went to rabbit hole. Like there, there's <laughs> yeah. just something about a man's lexicon when he does something like that, buddy. I just got cosmic, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, what what really sort of catches you know my thoughts on that is yeah, you can wind up going down quite a rabbit hole, but also you have an opportunity to sort of do that self-aware moment. Where it's like, okay, what if we did a doomsday clock thing? You know, where after after we had 52 in Rebirth and there was all these like, why is there time missing? Why have there been changes in continuity? What if you were able to take advantage of that through Snyder Cut, through Tom King and Ava DuVernay, and you were able to say, so what if we don't ignore it? What if we talk about it as something that makes sense in a plot story construct? You know what I mean? Like at some point you could have an opportunity to say, well, yeah, we, we knew things is this way. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's after time had been affected. And that could almost be a way of addressing the original Justice League and the Snyder Cut. Um, you can really pay attention to the fact that you're talking about new gods. Like we're talking about technology that, I mean, when it was introduced in the 70s, far surpassed where we're still trying to like claw our way up to. So if you if you take away the limitations, if you really embrace the fact that this could be a gift, like taking advantage of this time we're dealing with now and use it as part of the storytelling, you could do some really smart stuff. You could make, you know, Avengers Endgame time travel seem like a pff, child's play. Let me show you something that really twists your noggin. How about you, Steve? Well, the Avengers Endgame time travel was in my point of view, awful. Um, the fact that they introduced the whole uh, concept of being to manipulate time in the Doctor Strange film when they didn't use it, they decided to use uh, shrinking down to a microverse. Um, I didn't like Endgame. I thought Infinity Wars, Infinity Superior, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Justice League and the new gods. And like Brad said, it would be awesome as a fan. But like you said, Seth, and the, the hive mind really is sharing its honeypot today. Why not have the multiple universes? I mean, we've seen Crisis on Infinite Earths. Exactly. We saw, yeah, we saw the movie Flash appear on the TV Flash's show. Why not? We've had the Joker movie and we've had the DCEU movies. And now we're going to get a new Matt Reeves Batman movie or trilogy, depending on how successful it is. Let them be the standalone films and let us have our DCEU, which is something that Marvel isn't doing. Um, yes, they've lost Spider-Man again, but that's heartbreaking enough as it is. But I honestly think that it could work and give the fans more choice. Let us have our dark and gritty universes for the people who want them. And let us have the more fun movies or the completely adult R-rated movies for the fans who want to go the other way. I mean, choice is a good thing in art. And uh, if it makes that a possibility, fantastic. But again... Like we're all saying, it would all boil down to how successful or not the Snyder Cut is. So it could literally be the end. It could be apocalyptic or it could lead to a new genesis of the DCEU. And I can't believe I went there again. Right. <laughs> Let's move on from movies to the little screen. TV and streaming news and Ruby Rose has sort of kind of made a statement regarding her heartbreaking exit from the Batwoman TV show. Brad, what do you make of this juice? Uh, it seemed very, uh, very gracious, which uh, makes me a little happy because 
uh, it seems like she is legitimately sad about it and sorry. And it seems like uh, even though there is some bad blood, it looks like maybe they can at least leave on terms that aren't so bad. You know, she thanks people for the journey and thanks the cast, crew and producers. And she does relate that it was so important to the LBGTQ community as well, the show. Um, but, you know, uh, the flip side is I just wish it could have worked out because she was so perfect in the role. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, it still kind of bums me out. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Well, I'm glad she made a statement. That's one of the things that's been sort of unfinished about the story up to this point is we know that the announcement was made, but we haven't heard from the one person we want to hear the most from. I thought this was a very diplomatic uh, way of addressing that there's a situation going on, but also that beyond this statement, she's remaining silent and chooses to do so for her own reasons. It could have been an agreement that was made uh, in advance. It could be a decision based on the content that she'll eventually discuss if and when she chooses to do it. Uh, you got to respect somebody who acknowledges all the people that made it possible for her to have such a great season and why season two is still something that they want to make happen, even through a recasting. It's other than that, it still leaves a lot of questions for me. So I appreciate that, you know, she took this amount of time before making this statement. I also know that as she points out, those who know, know, and that leads me to think, well, at some point, hopefully she before they, but someone will be talking about more of the details involved. And right now, I completely respect that just like we were talking about Pattinson needing time to recover from filming, you know, before going into another project, whatever the physical, emotional or other tolls this season might have been for to talk about it is something that you do when you're ready. I mean, they've got this last dance show on about the Chicago Bulls in their 1998 season. And I'm like, that was 22 years ago. <laughs> and they were finally ready to show all the stuff from it. It took that long. So your time is your time. Your timeline is your timeline. I'm going to respect that. I, I just know that for all the graciousness, there are still just a lot of questions left to uh left to ponder until there's more uh, specific, concrete answers, if they ever come. How about you, Steve? It seems to me that um, there was some tension behind the scenes, either between Ruby and A or some co-stars, or between her and, and the production team, the, the, the creators of the show. And we all know when you go to work in a situation that's charged, that can lead to argument or conflict, it's not a good thing. Uh, you don't want to go to work. It just puts you off. So while she was fantastic when she started in saying how excited she was and how important this character was to her and to so many fans around the world, if you're going to go to work and be miserable, there's no point doing it. So I hope they cast brilliantly for season two. I feel sorry for all the editors uh, recutting flashback scenes and putting the new person in them and all the logistical nightmares that that would entail. But, hey, at least we're getting a season two. I adore Batwoman. I think she's a fantastic character. And when I heard the fact she was going to get her own show, I was happy about it. But um, good luck, Ruby Rose. Um, 
honestly, I don't know if I want to know. The fact that it's happened, it's ended, everyone's being diplomatic and trying to keep the peace and not burn bridges is more important than maybe finding out things that either colour our judgment in favour of or against certain individuals or certain parties. So um, just wish her the best and, and, and wish the best for Batman, Batman, Batwoman season two, I think. I, I don't know. Um, maybe some things are just best left forgotten for the sake of peace and for the sake of um love peace and bananas that's where i'm gonna leave that story so continuing on with our tv news we are going to keep in a similar vein um from semi-bad news to brilliant news well Brilliant news for the people in America who get HBO Max. <laughs> it's launching with some amazing DC-related shows, and these look great, and movies. Uh, Brad, what do you make of this news? Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. I think that fans are going to love to be able to watch The Joker again and things like that, and all the DCU movies. And, you know, I realized looking at this list that the one live action super movie that I think I've never seen, the only one is Steel. And it's on here, so I'm going to have to check that out because I've never seen it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, this, this election here is, is great. And I love the fact that Doom Patrol is on here. And, you know, Watchmen, if um, you know, you've been living under a rock and you haven't checked out the HBO Watchmen series, now's your chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a lot of good stuff here, too. Uh, I like that the Batman 89 version is there as well um yeah it's a pretty uh, pretty good list uh seth what do you think it's a really impressive list i love the fact that we get to see all these products that have been limited to just dc universe in some cases are now available here uh it was fun kind of doing a little comparison in my brain when i was flipping through it and going oh hey look this one we've got this one i've got over there this one <laughs> And then also recognizing the ones that aren't on DC Universe, um, Lego Batman, um, stuff like that, where I just sort of smiled and was like, hey, I don't remember seeing that there, but I know it's here now. Um, also, just knowing that there's a couple of other platforms where you can catch some stuff that, for whatever reason, you might not find on the DC Universe all the time, Uh I, I have to also echo Brad in that I've never seen Steel. I don't know if this will compel me to see it, but I I initially was put off because I didn't know what sort of acting chop Shaq was bringing to it. So, uh, Brad, I might wait on your review and <laughs> and maybe just sort of you know trust your uh, your instincts. Um, and of course the fashion take because you know Brad Felicky Fashions is coming. We're just teasing it to build the hype. It's like those early Matrix posters. But yeah, I I just love seeing the fact that you can get access to a lot of great DC content all in one place. I mean, you've got Wonder Woman, you've got Aquaman, you've got all this great animated stuff. Uh, You know, I love that if I've got nieces visiting, I can throw on the DC superhero girls or a favorite movie. You know, yeah, like just so much great content. and, And then overall, the channel just has stuff that I can you know, totally get my wife hooked on. I was like, babe, they've got Friends and Big Bang Theory. You're set. Like, you can watch them all with no commercials. Rock and roll. <laughs> um, and and in the meantime, I can be like, well, the DC content is mine. Uh, how about you, Steve? Exactly that. 
they've really picked a fantastic spectrum of shows and movies to to put on. I mean, we know the DC animated stuff's just fantastic, but when they uh, pull out the stops and release stuff like Jonah Hex and Steel, which so many people didn't see, um, I particularly actually enjoyed Jonah Hex. I thought it was a much better film than people give it credit for. As for Steel, there are worse films. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Not remain. a ringing endorsement, but okay. I'm going to remain diplomatic. Um, okay, it came off the success of uh, The Death of Matana Superman. And um, yeah, there are worse films. But um, the list there is really, really impressive. Like I said, Friends, Big Bang, the Harry Potter movies as well. And the fact that this one's baffled me a little bit, guys. I don't know if you can see where I'm coming from here. But the TV stuff they've listed um from the dc side of things uh batwoman beware the batman doom patrol and watchman batwoman is the only cw show where's star girl where's swamp thing um where's the arrowverse shows because batwoman's an arrowverse show where's arrow flash legends uh supergirl and the rest i mean Brad, what do you make about those emissions? Or, or is it just something that may come later? It's weird. I, yeah, I think it would come later. Um, I think that they're just trying to get this off the ground. I think we'll see more stuff released uh, you know, over the next months. So we'll see. I'd love to see the, the Nolan films on that list. So, Hell yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely, I, de- I definitely think we'll see a lot more stuff show up. Okay, yeah, please. and... I think, uh, you know, I remember recently, like, checking out the content when it first, I believe it first came out, like, Thursday, I want to say. And then I was looking at it, and then I went to look at it with my wife later, and it was maybe Friday. And they had already added new content, like um, a full season of Looney Tunes, which I was just, like, over the moon about. Like, my brain was just, like, it's like being a kid again. <laughs> right so i think it's also something like we've seen with other channels when they launch i mean we saw this with dc universe when it first launched there was only so much content and then it started to be this announcement of so many new titles added so many new projects currently available now and we saw a gradual rollout so i think there's sort of an awareness that you you want to get people to get excited about certain things and also see if their eyes track to to new because there's also a couple of new not DC related, but new content on there as well. And then you want to gradually keep adding things that are going to do that same mix, excite them about things they love. And also along the way, give them a peek at new content that's along the way. I've seen it happen with Apple TV and a few others. So I feel this is part of a gradual. I I mean, for me, because I'm all, you know, optimism, hope guy with my torch, I saw the Batwoman as a cue to be like, so, the rest of the CW shows will be coming. And, you know, kind of took it on that line. Like, hey, give me a wink. I'm giving a smile. Let's let's see how far this goes. Um, and and I'm going to keep holding on to that idea. Steve, where, where you landed on this one? It's confusing because obviously here um, we had that whole monopoly thing going on with Sky having all the CW shows. And then all of a sudden they didn't get Batman and everyone's thinking, oh, my God, what's going to happen to the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover? And then E4 got Batman. They started airing it, but they skipped the Crisis on Infinite Earths episode, which if you guys have seen mm-hmm. Crisis is a pretty dumb thing to do, because with the whole thing of Alice's doppelganger, the other Beth turning up, 
um, how is that going to make sense? So <laughs> if HBO Max have Batwoman by itself, but then don't show the CW shows, they're going to have that same dilemma over again, unless they recut the subsequent episodes and make it work. However, I just don't know. But fingers crossed, like I said, hope springs eternal. Maybe they will go down that route and uh, we'll see the whole kit and caboodle, which is ideally the way to go. But hey, what they are showing, yeah. what they have got is great. Yeah. Sorry, Bob, were you saying something? Well, I was just going to say that part of the problem is probably the fact that over here in America, Netflix has a lot of the CW shows. They just released the latest season of Flash on Netflix over here. Uh-huh. So I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth as far as who gets to stream what, as far as that goes. And it maybe it's some weird way related the fact that, you know, in, uh, in England, a different company broadcast uh batwoman maybe there's maybe it's a similar thing but, but yeah i don't but i think that that's probably an issue well, as far as the cw shows go with all the other stars having a contract to appear on the sky shows maybe then they shouldn't be able to appear on the uh on the e4 ones but then again that will change the whole ending and the final episode with batwoman and the kryptonite so <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's really, really, really weird. But I'm going to stay positive and I love the fact that they're showing some really cool stuff. The fact that we're going to see both the uh, Batman Dark Knight Returns animated films and stuff like that is really, really cool. So really I'm also cool. going to add in something here, too, which is the fact that, you know, Brad, you brought up an interesting point with Netflix, which is that some of these properties used to live there. I mean, Friends was a staple on Netflix for a long time. And then recently it got removed and that created a bit of a, well, where'd it go with the announcement that it was moving over to HBO Max? There could be a certain desire on the part of Netflix and other companies to be like, hey, 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 you can get stuff gradually. We got to work some stuff. (laughs) You know, it feels almost tactical in a way like you can get stuff, but you're not getting everything all at once. And, And we get to keep some stuff for a while because... Uh, if you suddenly lost all those CW shows from Netflix that quickly, uh, that's so much content. So, <laughs> I mean, so many eyes that would easily go, wait, where is it at? Very that's true. where I'm going. So, yeah, um, Brad, you, you really sort of tickled my brain with that one. And I was like, hey, this this could be a little bit of a, you know, a give and take of like, hey, we're not just giving up without a fight or we'll do things in a structured sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Steve, glad you agree. Great and wise minds abound on the DC Comics News podcast. <laughs> Someone called me wise. <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that either. And speaking of <laughs> jumping networks and moving around and cancellations and this, that and the other, it seems like the negotiations between uh, the devilish Tom Ellis and Netflix have concluded and he will appear in a sixth season of lucifer on netflix which is odd considering um season five hasn't even finished production or aired yet but hey um more time on this is good news as far as i'm concerned brad what you make of this story well i think we're definitely a step closer for sure uh that it's going to happen and i think you know a few weeks ago something else i forget what it was that we were talking about lucifer that it seemed like it's inching towards the sixth season um uh, you know i'm glad they were able to come to an agreement uh you know, apparently it was lengthy and difficult, so I'm not sure what was up with that, but I am glad that they did uh, they did find common ground because he's he's perfect in the role. Um, 
So and I think fans will be definitely happy because it seems like it has more of a healthy life now as a Netflix show than it ever did as part of Fox. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm going to be a little honest when it, when it comes to this one. I think I completely understand the fact that it would be a little difficult to you know, work through the contract terms of a sixth season, because if five, one wasn't even really supposed to happen and still hasn't completed. And also it feels like you're doing this a season by season thing. If you've been around this long, at some point you want to feel like maybe they're making a longer commitment based on the success or that you don't have to keep dealing with that anxiety of, will this be the last season? Will we get another return option? You know, I would imagine that there would be a little bit of, um, that consideration brought into the negotiations. And it might take a little bit longer because they seem to be making it up as they go along with how long this is going to keep going and they keep changing their minds, which is great for fans. But for the crew, for everyone else involved, it'd be nicer if they sort of knew what was going on in sort of waiting until these things finally get done one year after another. So I think it's great that, you know, this is such a successful thing that it's becoming this, you know, sort of annual story. Like, will they do it again or won't they? Will we get one more? Will we get, which is great for us. But if this is your job, that that might be something you want a little bit more certainty about. I, I'm not sure. Steve, where are you landing on this one? Well, we do five was a definite theme because I, I don't know if you guys agree that four, the first Netflix season was the strongest out of all four seasons it was brilliant it was a really a big step up in terms of production values and everything else and then five literally went from being 10 episodes to 16 to being i think 20 now which is unheard of for netflix netflix tend to be around the six eight ten or twelve episode seasons the fact that they're going to be approaching 20 episodes for season five or does that mean that they make a tailor few and chug those on to the beginning of season six because again according to the news report we're talking about tonight it's not just Tom Ellis. They've all signed on for a sixth season. So great. Um, let's get season five on board because four was awesome. And long may it continue. This show's got legs, as Brad uh, famously says, and um, it's got no signs of slaying down or dying. So may it live forever in the netherworlds of hell. <laughs> so going in completely the opposite direction to hell, we're going to follow the Yellow Brick Road with a Doom Patrol. Season two is just a few weeks away, and I am more excited than a kid at a candy store. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I got to get personal for a second with the whole Wizard of Oz thing. Um, always kind of tugs at my heartstrings because my uh, my sister Susie, who had Down syndrome, she passed away in, in 2004, but she was the biggest Wizard of Oz fan in the world so anything that was anything associated with wizard of oz she loved so whenever i see something like that it always like uh, always reminds me of her so i just i i love that and this this is just a great image and it's so fitting for doom patrol too because they're trippy and weird and in its own way so is wizard of oz so it, it seems like it's i can definitely see how they could work together and i'm just curious how if somehow Wizard of Oz related is going to seep into the second season, but yeah, I just I I, I love this this image. It's so uh, so great. Seth, what do you think? Well, you're completely right, Brad. I mean, the Yellow Brick Road is the exactly the kind of twisted, 
journey that fits a team like Doom Patrol. They they need this after we experienced so many of the different wonderful worlds that we explored in season one. Why not goes down something with a little bit more history to it? I, I loved your personal story about your sister, Brad, that I, I have this early memory of being a kid in New York, watching it on TV and like getting that rare treat of like eating dinner on a tray in front of TV because this was, you know, one, it wasn't like DVR days. This was on. There was no VHS yet. You were going to watch this. Oh, my God. That's so funny you say that because she she used to do that. She would, like, sit down exactly with her tray when that when that when she knew it was coming on TV. She would be right there. And even after, even after it was on video and it was still on TV, she'd still, if it was going to be on TV, she'd still sit down and watch it. Oh, we used great. to have competitions who would, who saw Star Wars, if I saw Star Wars more times, or she saw Wizard of Oz more times, and I think she won. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's definitely some commitment. And hey, man, you know, we all have our loves in our own ways. Um, but I, I love that, you know, you guys are measured up like, well, who's seen their favorite more? <laughs> oh, you, you win. Dang, you, you really win. Um, and yeah, that there's something about like getting that feel of being, you know, in a very like experience oriented moment where everything about it feels different and magical and wonderful. And it just seems to enhance, you know, watching that movie, which is its own, you know, like wonderful excitement magic. Uh, I love the idea of seeing them explore it. I love the fact that none of our characters have fully dealt with their problems. They've only dealt with chapters of them. So there's so much more to explore with each one. Add into the mix, we've got the betrayal by Niles, which I was waiting for. And finally, the introduction of his daughter and the fact that how you raise this girl is going to have an impact on what you can do about, you know, the end of the world. So a lot of fun stuff. And, and Brad, yeah, what... What a possibility with how much Wizard of Oz we can keep bringing in. And let's not forget some legendary characters I'm looking forward to coming back, like the Beard Hunter. How about you, Steve? Oh, yeah, so much to look forward to. Season one blew my mind. And and that's where I think the comparisons begin with uh, The Wizard of Oz, because as a child, I do think that film was the first one to really stop me in my tracks and make me think the whole change from the, the monochrome the black and white to the color and the fact that the cowardly lion the scarecrow and and the other characters were aspects of people she knew back in the uh inverted commas real world because how much of that was a dream how much of it was it was real and the way it's flipped from i mean there was places that film is downright scary it's bordering on horrific and then there's the magic and the bright colors and everything else that goes with it and that goes hand in hand with doom patrol one minute it's surreal it's crazy it's wacky but they've got so many deep messages the whole inclusivity all the characters and their different powers just down to the tiny little thing that uh, the chief's daughter's called dorothy um, i'm just really excited because the first season literally I loved it. It was one of the best things to come on TV last year. And there was some great TV last year, uh, Watchmen included. So I want to follow down the yellow brick road. I want to get arm in arm with them and sing the songs and go to wherever this crazy journey is leading us. Because Doom Patrol, 
oh, I love that show and I cannot wait for season two. I'm really, really excited. So, yeah, nice thoughts, guys. Uh, brilliant. Nice. Lovely. <laughs> now, this show has gone through more ups and downs than a schizophrenic yo-yo. Why the Last Man is going to make the FXS programming schedule. Brad, are we going to see this show you and I and so many others are so looking forward to? I certainly hope so. That is that's very good news. And I, you know, uh, Eliza Clark, who works with Animal Kingdom, is writing it. And that's great because I, I think Animal Kingdom is a pretty darn good show. And the cast is just uh, insane. We got, oh, man. Uh, Imogen Poots, uh, Marin Ireland, Amber Tamblin, Diane Lane. I mean, it's just, it's, the cast is outstanding. And there, you know, there is no reason why this show should not be, or the, this comic should not be made into a TV show, a movie, or something. It is about time. It deserves it. I think it fits well uh, to be adapted. So I am so glad they finally got it together to get this, get this out. So I cannot wait. Seth, what do you think? I think this is a great announcement that finally, hopefully, steadies the course of that yo-yo schedule that you were talking about, Steve. Uh, ups and downs and lefts and rights and, you know, walking the dog and I don't know any more yo-yo tricks and I'm okay with that. Um, there's a simple <laughs> a feeling of knowing it's on the schedule. Uh, Brad, I can't help but, you know, echo your enthusiasm for the cast. You you had me at Diane Lane. Um, I, I, I'm i hooked. I mean, you know, you, you bring in a name like that with with a lot of great experience who I, I love watching. And then you start adding all these other names where I think to myself, I remember that show. I remember that person. And then my imagination can start unspooling all sorts of threads of, of fun ideas. And and also, I think there's a feeling that this can really tap into, which is that sense that, you know, uh, apocalypse, uh, end of the world, post-apocalyptic, these were things that were sort of fanciful because you thought to yourself, ah, oh, but that's so far off in the future. And suddenly, we're faced with the reality that in a very short period of time, the world in which we live and know and think is stable and secure can change so rapidly that there's a question of what could that look like now that it can feel so much more immediate and what we can take not only from the comic, but also from our current lives and, and what those sort of thoughts and fears might need to be manifested on the screen to, to sort of show us what we're worried about, what we're thinking about and, and how we view this possibility and add into it a great cast of characters and a great story. I think we're in for a really good time, and I just love that this announcement gives us some certainty. How about you, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the greatest comic book stories I've ever read. I mm -hmm. loved this story so much so that I have to try and get some collected editions so I can have it last because my copies uh, uh, have either falling apart now or have been stolen by several uh, <clears throat> friends i lent them to so i need to get this story back in its entirety because i don't have it in its entirety anymore and i remember reading it thinking damn this would make a fantastic set of movies but that'll never happen or even better a brilliant tv show and here is the tv show uh, and brad we were talking a couple of weeks back on this show that 
um, it was confusing because they'd already said that the pilot had been finished and made, but they have now made a new pilot, which is like unheard of. That's only happened once before, as far as I know, with Star Trek. Um, so hmm. yeah, when the, the original pilot, the, the cage ended up being the two parts of the menagerie and Captain Pike got switched to, to Captain Kirk. But um, if it's following down that route and it's as successful as that show is and was, then great, because it deserves to be one of my favourite pieces of fiction ever. So influential. Um, shows like The Walking Dead based a lot of their apocalypse on that with planes falling out of the sky because obviously half the population of the Earth wiped out in one fell swoop. So, oh man, I cannot wait to see this show DC and Vertigo, when it comes to adult entertainment and fiction that makes you think, are unsurpassed. And getting a show like this on TV, it's about time. I'm really, really happy that it is coming and it is happening now. So yeah, great so news my, to end. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so many of my favorite stories of all time come directly from Vertigo. So many. Yeah, almost all of mine. I've got yeah. to say it. Um, Sandman, so, Creature, Why the Last Band. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's a great uh, way to end the first segment, the first half of this week's show. It's the DC Comics News Podcast. It's episode 73. We're going to take a short break uh, to listen about other great podcasts that you can enjoy whenever you want to by downloading, rating and reviewing. So we'll be back in just a couple of Tiki Talks. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News. Here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came... The Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nards. I definitely do not fuck bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. 
the DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. We have returned. It's the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm Steve. I'm with Brad and with Seth. We've talked movies and TV, and now we're going to go back to where it all started. Comic books. We've talked about the uh, Lucifer TV show. Now we're going to talk about the Lucifer comic and the beginning of some strange things happening within the world of DC comic books and series not ending the way they were initially going to. Um, Brad, what do you make of the story of Lucifer's final issues? Uh, It bums me out that there seems like all these Sandman universe stories are wrapping up and I wish they kind of kind of wish they would have gotten the proper send off with the issues released. Um, But because of COVID-19, you know, it looks like that is complicating things, but I am at least glad that we are going to get a collected edition of the, you know, the final arc. And I'm hoping that and, and I'm sure that we will see more of the Sandman universe characters. I'm sure when this, you know, when the promotions start for the TV series, we'll be getting more comics and things like that. But it's just a, it's kind of a bummer to see them go. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I was also really just sort of surprised to see this uh, among a number of announcements we'll be talking about today. I, I love this book. I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, see that it was up for review uh, months back and said, sure, I'll take a look at it, give it a go. And what a treat. I mean, really gorgeous storytelling, really, I mean, just some smart, fun, intellectual exercises, um, great approaches to mythology. It's really been something I've enjoyed. So suddenly I feel like what could have been a really fun wild hunt is now sort of being, you know, blended with another story plot line. And then it's all getting wrapped up digitally that, I don't want to say I feel like it's being shortchanged, but that's the feeling I'm currently working through. I I'm hopeful that, you know, as you pointed out, Brad, with the announcement of Sandman shows, we can see uh, a resurgence and hopefully a renewal. But this is one of those stories where you're well aware of the fact that for all the things we love about comics, it's also a business. And these business decisions don't always seem like the right move at the beginning. And sometimes later on, they seem like either a great move or the worst. Time's going to have to tell on this one, but I, I'm, I'm sort of left just still processing a lot about it. Steve, what's your feelings? Hmm. This is a topic that's uh, come up a lot around uh, other friends of mine who, who talk comics a lot. And it, it's a bit divisive. I've got, uh, some people saying that this is forcing people to read comics digitally whether they want to or not it's a kick in the teeth to fans who've collected the physical books now never having a complete set of the original comics having to get the graphic novel and i can see that point of view but after the whole covid situation and the fact that i have been reading a more um, digital stuff than i had before I can sort of see, well, hey, this means the industry can carry on if something like this happens again. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, 
how many people may end up losing their jobs, their livelihoods or their dreams or their stores. People who run the comic shops who need that physical thing to get people through the door to buy. And like Brad and I and several others have said on numerous occasions, there's nothing like going to your comic store, getting that comic book, holding it in your hands and reading it. And I don't know, it's it's a little bit sad for me that it seems like these great titles, and like you said, Seth, because you review these books on the Spinner Rack every week, Lucifer was great, as was, um, um, oh God, um, blimey, not the House of Secrets, the other one, my favourite one, the one I actually collect, Jesus. House so, of Whispers? No, not House of Whispers, the other one. Oh, The Dreaming? The Dreaming. dreaming. God, thank you, Brad. Blimey. Great thought. <laughs> number one. There were two the of us like, oh. Superb series. Uh, and now it seems that that second series, the G. Willow Wilson version, is only going to come out digitally and collected. And so many other series aren't going to be coming out in book form at all. And that's heartbreaking to me. Um, I, I don't know. I can see it business-wise, but I can't see it business-wise. It's just you just cut me right down the middle i i don't know i see it making sense because the stories will still get out there but who is it benefiting it's not benefiting retailers i mean guys i think what are your thoughts on that side of things i think that it's a matter of necessity because things have fallen so far behind any schedule they wanted to keep is kind of hard and there are compromises that have to be made and it's unfortunate that it's, you know, sometimes it's these series that we love, but it's just, you know, the, the maybe that's where the business side comes into it, deciding what issues do we have to release digitally. I know personally, I do not, you know, like, you know, Steve, like you were saying, I do not like digital comics. I don't like the experience of reading it. It's not the same. Uh, it, it's it's not as immersive. I don't feel connected. So I'm yeah, not getting great. anything on digital. I'm just I'm it's just my own personal thing, but I will get the collected editions. And at least, you know, I just one of those things, at least we're going to have the collected editions. You know, at least we will have that. And it's sad, but you know, that's just that's just where we're at in the world at the moment. Um there's just going to be some casualties and it's just so unfortunate. And yeah. What about the retail aspect of it? So. Well, I mean, my my biggest concern with the move to digital is how many people will keep reading if they want the the physical book. How much will that readership dictate? Like you said, Steve, whose jobs could be at stake? Uh, how much of this on a business decision was about what numbers are driving people into stores and to buy books, and what numbers can they consider uh, safe to cut, or I. Uh, what were the future plans for the book? And if it wasn't going to equal X amount of dollars or this or that, you know, they start drawing a line and anything that doesn't meet this, which is what they need to survive, becomes part of, as Brad described it, a casualty. It gets really difficult, too, because people come into the stores for certain books when they feel like those books aren't there. How many of them stop coming into the stores completely? How many of them will decide to patiently wait past the digital publication time to get the collected um how much will be lost in the meantime there's a a lot of important considerations but it's also feeling like an echo i can't open my phone 
or you know be aware of a breaking headline announcement that recently hasn't talked about groups laying off thousands from different companies uh, around the country worldwide there is uh, a sense that companies did what they could to now up until now but as they're looking ahead they're trying to figure out how they can survive and that survival mechanism it, it it gets pretty ugly. It's kind of like nature. Sometimes there's a survival of the fittest. There's a, you know, first hired, first fired mentality. There can be a lot of different approaches to it, but it all comes down to how much do we need to cut in order to survive and whether or not those people become casualties, which is a part of business I never love. And I'm, I'm, I am like you just, I mean, that was the first thing I thought was Dan Waters is a great guy. I hope he has a writing job soon. I hope this doesn't end his writing job. I hope everyone who's made this book so great has something else to turn to, either with DC or something. And that's a great hope, but there's not a lot of certainty in it right now. So I'm I'm going to struggle with it. And now I'm looking at my shops where I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what this does for you yet. And I hope it's a good numbers decision for you, because if we start seeing it hurt the shops uh, it's going to be hard to see any of this as a good decision. Um, any final thoughts, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah bro. I'm just thinking that that's, that could be, you know, sad as it is for these titles that we love, that could be the reason these were the titles that were cut because the, you know, I, I'm sure it's obviously that maybe these weren't the ones that were selling as much. These weren't the ones that were bringing in the people to the shops. Because if the shops go, it's not doing anybody any good. It's certainly not doing the comic industry any good. Because right now, we've talked about this before, that's the only place to get comics. So I, I think that, well, you know, until the whole distribution thing might change, who knows. But for now, the comic shops are the only place to go. And if those go under, then there's no comic industry. So it's just... it's. Maybe it's a shame for us who like the more, I don't want to say adult, but the more adult-targeted comics. It's just, it's, just, it's just so unfortunate. Yeah, I have to echo both of you there. there there's pluses and minuses. Um, I mean, I do agree that probably these titles are the ones that weren't selling that well, because if we look at another one of the books is another Vertigo Stroke Black Label book, The House of Whispers, which is one I didn't enjoy as much as the others, but The Dreaming and Lucifer were fantastic. And Dreaming was selling very well. Um, the fact that they were going to launch a second series with someone like G. Willow Wilson at the helm means it was doing well. So why are they not selling that as individual comics straight to graphic novel? I just don't know. I mean, I do know as well, speaking to comic store owners, that the sale of physical floppies has gone down um quite substantially in recent years but the sale of trade paperbacks and graphic novels is growing and growing and growing so maybe that's the future maybe the single issue is something that is gonna slowly start disappearing and the rise of the graphic novel is the way forward with comic books as long as that means we still have a retail industry as long as that means we still have comic stores that you can go to, because we've said it before, it's not just a place you go to buy stuff. It's a social thing. It's where you meet friends and you chat comics, your favorite characters, uh, and you buy memorabilia and whatever else. As long as that continues, then I'll deal. But switching totally to digital, no, I'm, I'm not that happy with that. I mean, we've mentioned it now. House of Whispers is going the same way. What are your thoughts on that, Brad? 
uh, I, I guess at the end, I just wish that they could go on forever. These characters are so great and so well conceived that it's just it's it's a shame. Um, but I, I can't. Maybe it's the optimist in me that says that there's no way that these characters can sit on the shelf forever. Uh, and I do think that eventually that we'll see them come back around again. And Seth? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's another announcement that, that makes you think to yourself, okay, there's there's always the possibility that a character can come back at some point. This doesn't have to be the end. It's just another example of, of trying to understand the methodology behind canceling these series because we, we keep bringing up the points that, that – led to reasons that would make you think that these would be ones that would continue. Some titles, yeah, you think to yourself, I'm not sure how this is going to last. I can see the logistics here. With these, it's it's still really difficult, but I'm, I'm going to keep in mind what Brad was saying. Uh, no character stays on the shelf forever. It, it means that we can look forward to their return whenever it does occur. And if we can keep that in mind, it might help just sort of, you know keep back this this sense of i don't know what's happening and i don't know why this stuff is going what 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 um <laughs> steve how about you man? it's oh it's just heartbreaking because like you said as well seth and it's something that is worth considering um this is the creator's livelihoods too and if they haven't got other work lined up i mean not everyone is uh, like Robert Venditti or like Ram V, where they're writing three, four, five books, uh, one or two for DC, some for the independence, James Tynan, uh, where they've got loads of things up in the air. They've got work going. I mean, I don't know if, if Sam Waters is writing anything else or if he's got anything else lined up. And that, again, is heartbreaking because he's a terrific writer. So when you see not just The Dreaming, not just House of Whispers, not just Lucifer, but all three, and then a couple of other titles we're going to talk about later on in the show, um, the two Rooster Teeth um, crossovers, uh, Jen Locke and um, RWBY, um, so built-in audiences from other parts of fandom, also not receiving their final issues. And to completists like me, who go nuts if they're missing an issue of a comic the fact that that comic isn't just missing it will never be published is just i don't know i just find it really irritating i don't know if it's maybe just me and i'm just a weirdo fanboy but i, I find that vaguely annoying i mean are you two the same way with your collections or as long as you get it collected you don't really mind it, see i do a lot of my collecting in trades even more so than individual books. Now I'm a completist on my trades though. So I can, I can definitely relate to that. And right now I'm on a, a big DC giants kick. So I like to right now, if I have a missing issue of those, I go a little crazy until I can, until I can get it. Um, so yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I, I can relate to it interestingly enough because it should be coming out soon. I'm still waiting on, but, um, you know, Damien threw down that gauntlet a while back about someone reviewing, um, all-star Batman and Robin. And I experienced something I'd never had before, which was reading that series and getting to issue 10 and then going, wait, what, what? And then doing research yeah, online yeah. and realizing, okay, because of how you do this, this version of these characters is left. It, it, it's stuck. Uh, 
But if if you could have gotten to what I thought was happening in the story and would have been or like a really interesting change for like issues 11 and 12 or however long it was running, there could have been this really impressive development and transformation, but it never happens. And reviewing it was this eye-opening experience of thinking about all the ways that this can, you know, frame your perception and, and put a filter on it that is going to be the way you look at that work for as long as you have it, as every time you think about it or discuss it. And without that that final or those final pieces, I think any person sort of knows what it's like to do a puzzle and there's like two pieces missing and you're like, ah, doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. And then when you think about the stories in books that you're collecting or titles, I mean, to pull up another example, I'm loving Jimmy Olsen right now. Steve, we talked about it a few times. Could you imagine if they just stopped? We're like right here in the final two issues. If they were just like, no, I could sorry. go postal if that happened. I could be up on a rooftop with a with a rifle. Or Lois Lane and Lois Lane, yeah. Where they're building to these huge things where you're gonna see something in those final two issues that you won't get to see when they're not published. And man, there's there's nothing where. <laughs> You know how long fans of Back to the Future were haunted by that to be continued until finally they came out with Back to the Future 2? How many years later? And people were like, finally. Like, it was such a cliffhanger for folks to be left on. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about how hard it's going to be for all those people who have enjoyed picking these up, reading those stories, and left with like, wait, you're not even going to publish it. You're just, you're doing this. And you don't care how it affects me. And that that that's hard for any fan, for anyone who's been enjoying a story is to feel like, man, I'm ready. I've got money and I want to see what this story has to finish telling me. That, that's something that I would not want to deny anyone. So, uh, yeah, with this one, Steve, uh, while I can't claim completest because certain times in my life, like. It just wasn't an option for me to try and buy books. But man, for when I've committed to something that I know I want to have a full collection of and a story I want to be able to read through from start to finish without holes in it, uh, this has got to be just heartbreaking. I I'm, can only imagine uh, your take, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's heartbreaking. Uh, and we've seen it so many times on, on tonight's show. Um, Lucifer, Dreaming. House of Whispers and of course uh, RWBY and Genlock are going to be finished but not in single issues so maybe the single issues really just didn't sell and they're doing the, the digital and the clinical editions for the few readers that bought them I don't know it's it's an odd one either way but however sad that is um, the cancellation of comics outright is even more sad and we've got two different aspects of that in tonight's um, show the first one is um what was spinning out of the event leviathan and the resurgence of the manhunters and obviously um kate that she was going to get her own title as well but it's now been cancelled before even coming out with no news of whether it's going to be resolicited or not again um scary times weird times brad what do you make of this story yeah this is this is strange i'm just wondering you know i mentioned before about the whole 
we're so far behind in where we should be had this been a normal year as far as release schedules. And there is a note in the story that um, Manhunter goes back to the, you know, the mystery goes back to the beginning of the DC universe and the history of the DC universe, which makes me wonder if this was some kind of um, editorial choice in the broad scheme of what's mm-hmm. going down with all the timelines and everything and the new generations that they just, they just didn't have time to squeeze it in like they had wanted to. And I, that's that would be my interpretation of this story at the moment. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I had to see this as being one of those um, elements that was going to comprise this much bigger story, taking into consideration continuity, what we were talking about with 5G, the other generations, and the, what the structure would have been to lead up to that. Now you've got the departure of someone who is key to that project, as well as the current environment that we're trying to process through. This feels like something that was a, a great story that would have added to that. But now, because they're able to cut it away, they can still keep so many pieces of what they need to keep moving forward. And, and it's part of that, yeah, what's what's happened when you fall in behind? It's It's almost like they've made the decision of, like, we can catch up. Like, you know, like in those movies where they're like driving or sailing and they're like, but we're carrying too much weight. We got to throw some of this stuff out if we're going to catch up to, you know what yeah. I mean? And and there's that feeling of like, oh, man, which just feels like I, I know if you want to go ahead and call me whatever names you want for saying this. But it feels like they're referencing a lot of these books as being dead weight and that if they want to streamline enough in order to to make it to whatever their next critical marker is, whether it's for a board or investors or whatever this is part of that decision and i just feel terrible for using comics and dead weight in the same sentence so i'm just going to pass along steve no i completely agree with you that's exactly what i feel has happened and i do see it tying in with the departure of dan didio because he was the man that had this whole plan about the 5g and the history of the dc universe and changing it all and while some things were embraced like um, Wonder Woman being the first character in the DC universe. Other things like a whole new generation of heroes replacing the current ones was shot down, and I do believe were part of the reasons um, behind Dan Didio's departure. And this whole thing coming out of Event Leviathan and the first Metal um, sounded fascinating. Anything that leads back to the very beginnings of the DC universe that already gets me intrigued because I've been so invested in this universe for most of my life that stories like that are the ones that really grab me, the ones that shock you. I mean, then you get obviously the other side of the coin and the whole Rogel Zar fiasco, which was complete ugh, <laughs> nonsense. Um, stop that stuff right away, uh, Matthew. Let me give you a hug. I completely agree with you on that aspect of stuff. Uh, but then you got. Um, death metal coming and i think that i see i don't know if you guys agree but do you not see that somehow what scott snyder's doing is becoming more and more important and more and more integral and having much more far-reaching consequences than we initially expected i mean he started off uh, writing detective comics and moved on to the main batman title doing amazing things and being one of the best new 52 books which then led to um dark knight's metal and the Batman who laughs and everything that's followed. Do you think that that's going to go on? Cause he says that is going to tie with doomsday clock and stuff. Is it the goodbye to the Dan DiDio thought line and hello to the Scott Snyder, or am I just being a bit of a conspiracy theorist here? What do you think? Uh, Brad? I, I think it definitely seems to be pointing in that direction. 
for sure. Uh, I, I would agree totally, but it seems like that's what's happening. Well, yeah, I'm going to make Sith. Oh, I'm with you completely. In fact, I fe- as soon as we started talking about uh, what Snyder was doing with death metal, with this uh, idea of continuing on a lot of themes we've seen pop up in other titles. I mean, come on, you, you look at his last night on earth with Capullo, like you, you clearly had the sense that this all came from somewhere and it was all going to connect to something else later. Um, and, and suddenly that, that transition off of justice league, you felt like that was a story that was still, you know, building, you, you felt like, well, with a lot of things, you sort of get this sense that there's another story left to be told. Um, and I love Robert Venditti for how he's picked up on justice league, but with Snyder, you've had this sense that, you know, death metal was something that was going to take a lot of these things that have been happening throughout DC and pulling them together. And it sounds like also yeah. there was a, a clarity to his vision that, that differed from Didio's that, yeah, Didio was trying to look at, at, at telling a new uh, legacy of, of starting out a new generation of heroes, which is one thing. But if it was going to involve a lot of outlier projects that may or may not, you know, determine its success. And then along the way, you've got Snyder coming along and going, sure, we can do that. Or how about this? And by the time he's done, they're going, okay, if we're left between these two choices, this one takes less and does more. This one takes more and we have concerns. That that could have really been what it came down to. But yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Steve. Snyder, Snyder is doing something and, and there's this long reach, this long view where you, you feel like... I, I know you're going to wrap it up for us. How you're going to do it, we haven't figured out yet. But that's part of the fun, right? Um, but I, I, I do really feel like he's he's got a grasp on things and that as soon as the rest of DC's decision-making team got on board with that, that's when we started to see this shift. And it feels like it was just a couple months ago that you were like, I wonder why this is happening this way. And now it's starting to make more and more sense, if that makes sense, Steve. Yeah, I'm glad you guys agree because I thought, hmm, but it just seems to be becoming more and more clear. I mean, we all know, I mean, from day one, I mean, right from his humble beginnings on Detective Comics, Scott Snyder is one of these guys who can plant a little seed in one issue that will then bear fruit 10, 12 issues down the line. And I don't see a writer being that successful at doing that since Neil Gaiman and Sandman. I mean, little things he did with uh, Jim Gordon Jr. in uh, Black Mirror ended up being a huge part of the Batman Who Laughs storyline and the little metal that keeps the Joker alive whenever we think he's dead and brings him back is was a huge part of Dark Knight's metal. And that whole aspect of the um, dark Batman of the dark multiverse is coming through and the disparate of Bruce Wayne, evil Batman, and the fact that that's going to lead to a whole new sequel with uh, Death Metal too. It's just like this guy knows how to build worlds, tell stories that are some find wacky and way out there, but he said he had a story arc for Batman, which had a beginning in his new 52 run or prior to that in uh, Black Mirror, all the way through to Last Night on Earth, which he touted as his last Batman story. But yet now we have death metal coming and we're seeing these different aspects in a world gone mad with Wonder Woman and a lasso, uh, lasso of truth in a chain store and heavy metal um, Superman and Bruce Wayne with his scythe on his devilish steed motorbike and it just looks great and if that's going to tie in with Doomsday Clock and the whole metaverse how every single story you've ever read from any aspect of DC through the golden age right up to now 
did happen, uh, but it happened to a different aspect of the character. And you can take what you want is the best thing I've ever heard. And that is uh, something that excites me a whole lot more than just bringing a whole fifth generation of characters just for the sake of doing it and then crapping on the 80 years of history that DC built before then so if that's what they've decided to do then great and it's just sad that we're going to be losing some great titles to it and you know that's you've got to take it off with the smooth i suppose if we're going to get better stories at this at the loss of a couple of others then i guess i can live with it but and this is what i think brad's gonna be heartbroken to is the fact that another set of series we're going to be losing is the aforementioned DC 100-page giants. Not all of them. Looks like Batman and a couple of others are going to continue, but Swamp Thing Giant will end its print run with issue four, and the stories, the new Swamp Thing stories, will continue digitally. But I'm actually more heartbroken about the reprints, the Hellblazers and the Zatanna's and stuff like that, that I will now go and have to try and find back issues for or uh, graphic novel collections. Brad, what do you make of this story? uh bumps me out especially the swamp thing because i love the original stories and like you said the the reprint stories were great too and those aren't even continuing digitally and that just hurts um that's just such a bummer because you know i think it was the swamp thing that got got me into the giants to begin with um it's really enjoying those original stories and how they mix with the reprinted stories it was just such a good package that's just it's just it's heartbreaking it's such a bummer such a bummer i mean i don't even know what else to say at this point because it's just yeah yeah, it's heartbreaking just sucks what do you think seth to be honest man i'm 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 left with that do i really want to unmute and chime in here or what more can i this is a tough one because the thing that made the giants so much fun is what it was like to hold that big thick book in your hands it it there was something lovely oh, about yeah. the, the 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 tactile experience, and if you if you remember what it was like to get a trade to get one of those early books, I mean, I, I still have this great old torn up 100 pager um, that I I love and is you know disintegrating every time I think about taking it out of the package. But there was something great about getting that heft, and you can't experience that through a digital book, and. So you've got that great tactile experience, but then on, on top of it, you also had these amazing stories going on. I mean, there, there's been quite a few. I mean, and in the short time that these books have been coming out, that people have said, like, this is one of the best stories you'll ever read. This is, you know, why these books are so amazing. You're taking it out of people's hands. And that's a really hard thing to sort of process because it just feels like, that's an experience that you can't recreate digitally. It's just not available to us yet. And even if you can do it in VR, I'd still say it smells wrong and it doesn't feel right. And with the reprints, um, man, I I was so happy that when I got in touch with my shop a little while back and got a shipment mailed out to me, that I had been able to say, kind of last minute, but like, hey, can you get me that Flash of Two Worlds and just toss it in there? And when I pulled it out after I remembered that it was part of my order, it was like, wow. It feels wonderful to have that and other other reprints that I've smiled when I picked up and just thought to myself, yeah, it's not the original. It's not the back issue, but it's the story, complete, un, unfiltered. I, I want that experience, and I love that I get to come as close as possible by holding it in my hands. And again, it's that that feeling that you get 
from holding them that you are now losing that man that's that's a hard thing to replace and steve it sounds like you're echoing me brother Oh, absolutely. I mean, like Brad and I have been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, these 100-page giants, they're just magic. You get that thrill of a new story and then some classics that you may have read before and loved or being introduced to series you didn't even know happened, like the Zatanna uh, reprints. Mm. I was loving that because there is not enough Zatanna out there. She's one of the uh, members of the Justice League Dark team, but... This character needs her own book so badly. So picking up those something giants and getting a new Zatanna story that continued every single issue was just great. And now that's over and I need to find out how that story ends. And I can't find a trade paperback version of that story. So I don't know if it exists, whether DC will now make one. Um, I don't know. But the reason the why they're cancelling some of the giants, but not all of them, Again, is it what we've already mentioned that they weren't selling as well? Because I know for a fact that the Swamp Thing Giants were selling like hotcakes in my comic book store, but this is the the UK. We we love a good horror story. Um, maybe it's a territory thing. Maybe it's something that sells more, but then on the whole isn't selling as well as obviously a Batman giant is going to sell worldwide, isn't it? I don't know. Um Yes, I can carry on reading the new stuff digitally if I want to, but I don't like, again, digital comics. But it's it's more those um, reprints. I'm really going to miss those backup stories. So, guys, I don't know. It's a weird, weird state of affairs. It's very, very strange. And what's just as heartbreaking is the fact that even more reprints, I mean, these 100-page giants, when we were kids, right, they were a treat because we could never afford them. And nowadays they're the most affordable, best value for money comics there is. And they're going. And again, the dollar comics when we were growing up the most expensive. And again, a whole slew of dollar comics and facsimile reprints have been axed as well. Um, Brad, what do you make of that? Slightly less heartbreaking. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said before as far as being so far behind in time about what they were trying to get out and when it did. It does make sense that these dollar comics get cut, um, but it is a shame because for me they were fun to pick up too because it's like maybe even if it was a story that I've read before just to you know touch up on it a little bit and um, get introduced to new stories. Uh, I, that happened when they did the the uh, JLA Year One issue one dollar comic. I read that issue and then ended up picking up the the hardcover uh, because I wanted to see what happened. Um, it's a bummer too, but man, it's, it's, it's probably a necessity of where we're at with what happened this year. Seth, what do you think? The only hope I can really keep in mind with the reprints is the fact that, okay, so if you were able to do it now and you've got the stuff ready to go, well, you can always do it later, right? And while I don't love the idea of telling people, just be patient, just wait, it'll all... <laughs> Because that almost feels like a pacifying or a delaying technique. There's a part of me that stops with that and thinks to myself, you know what? It could happen later. It could just be that when you're in the process of, like Brad was saying, trying to figure out how to get after get ahead after falling so far behind. If this is something you can sit on until later and then release it when the market will sustain 
not only this effort, but the company providing it, then I, I can hold back a little bit. It's the other ones where, no, it's just done that I feel to myself, okay, that's that's an experience that's lost, that's hard to you know get back again. So I, I'm hopeful that there will be a desire for these reprints in the future that will uh, encourage DC to say, hey, we missed an opportunity to get these out before we have a chance to do right by the fans that have held out hope. And, and that's something that I'm capable of holding out hope for. Steve? Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. I've just been looking through the list of titles, and I think I know exactly what it is. Um, looking at these titles and the numbers, these are all issues that tie in with the big arcs that are coming up. Um, like Most of the Batman reprints are big Joker stories, which seems to tie in with the whole three Jokers things that's coming up. But it's been so delayed that perhaps they're not bothering me to reprint them now because... Like, there's no point. People are just going to buy three Jokers. And the Catwoman's, uh, again, with the Catwoman 80th anniversary issue coming out this week, again, a little too late. I think they've literally, this is a result of the whole COVID-19 lockdown thing. And the issues that these people, uh, that these comics were going to get people excited about, are no longer relevant because we've now come to the point where the actual crossovers and titles are coming. Um, one of the issues that they were reprinting as a dollar comic was Dark Knight's Metal Issue 1. And yeah, we're literally weeks away from Dark Knight's uh, Death Metal coming out. So the Manhunter one, they cancelled the new Manhunter series, so again, no point. But the one that does strike me as odd and that they should still release is Stars and Stripe because the Stargirl show is great. And that would be a great way of getting people interested in picking up the trades and the graphic novels, which, like you said, Brad, these dollar comics are really good. That sometimes you might pick one up and say, that was great. I want to read the rest of this story. Um, and the recent dollar comics reprint of part one of Elegy um, did entice some of my students, some of the kids I mentor, to pick up the Elegy trade paperback. So um, I was really, really happy about that. But I actually think that, yeah, these haven't been released now. Um, so I've got the something, Alan Moore's uh, first main issue, the, the anatomy lesson, was one of them. And with the something 100-page giants not going ahead in print form, is it just a COVID thing? I mean, looking at it, I think that's that's what's happened. What do you think, Brad? Sir? Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's exactly what happened. I think, you know, when I saw, you know, the start and strike, I thought that was definitely because of COVID. Because by the time that it would come out, the show would already be like halfway into its first season or whatever. So it didn't really make sense. So things like that. Yeah, I think it's definitely COVID related for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that, too. I mean, one of the points in putting out such monumental Wonder Woman stories would you think be a build up to the upcoming movie? Um, you pointed out the importance behind the Batman titles that they were going to reprint that would also have helped build the interest for uh, Three Jokers. That timing is no longer part of the equation, which means using these as part of that timing buildup no longer makes sense. For fans who would love to put these in their hands, of course, there's still a desire to like, well, give it to me anyway. But when they're looking at costs and also what the purpose of these releases was intended to do uh, every point you raise steve makes uh 
complete sense. And Brad, you, you sort of answered my question about, you know, that Steve raised, well, why not stars and stripe number one? And you, you never know if there's an element down the road where this could make more sense. Maybe during the break between season one and season two, have an element that's going to come up in season two that yeah. releasing, you know, issue number one might make more sense to build the hype for. So, uh, well, well read there, Steve. That's a that's a really important thing to consider that keeps in mind not only purpose, but then Brad brings right back around to the idea of when you've fallen so far behind, do these tactics make sense anymore? What's the value behind it? And is it something we can let go of because of what we're trying to do in the present and moving into an uncertain future? So, yeah, those are really great observations that... Hopefully, if you've been listening, this makes a little more sense for you because it's starting to make a little more sense for me. Steve? Yeah, exactly that. I think that's the reason, and it does make sense that way. And again, it's business too. DC probably lost so much money with the lockdown that selling an issue for a buck when a new title can sell for three or four bucks, it's just uh, smart thinking and all the Joker stories, while they are classics, you can probably pick up in trades anyway. And Three Jokers is now imminent and Joker War is about to begin. So we don't need those reprints anymore. Uh, interest is already high. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's move away now from the sad news of cancellations and digital onlys and whatever else to the good news. And it's always great news when you get really talented creators linked to fantastic series i was sad to hear that joelle jones was leaving catwoman but now i know that um ram v is taken over as writer because i love his independent work what he's doing now as a new writer on justice league dark is fantastic he's taking over as writer after his brilliant little uh stint with uh issue 25 of catwoman and fernando blanco who did such amazing work on uh marguerite bennett's batwoman is taking over as artist my interest and my excitement for Catwoman is back up to full flow. Brad, what do you make of this story? Yeah, uh, I'm kind of intrigued, uh, especially because they're saying that uh, it's, you know, if you like old style heist, Catwoman heist stories, then, you know, that, that's right up your alley. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. That makes me kind of want to check it out. And uh, I'm, I'm you know, I, I did order the 80th anniversary issue, so I should have that coming soon so that I can read the story they have there to kind of get to get excited. The prelude, yeah. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, I think it'll be cool. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I think this is a really magnificent combination. I'm not sure if I can give any more kudos than Steve did at its introduction, but, you know, there's there's nothing better than great writers and artists collaborating and and seeing what they can cook up you know it's it's the beauty of getting masters in the same kitchen together the recipes the ideas the flavors the smells uh <laughs> i love actually also brad the way you tied in the fact that you know you can get a prelude of this if you've already you know put down the uh, catwoman 80th anniversary 100 page on your list and even if you haven't go into your store be nice Find the copy, or if they don't have it, be nice when you ask if it's possible to get one. And enjoy the fact that you get this great preview and you get this feeling of sort of experiencing that 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 sense of what's going to be coming later. Catwoman's been doing some wild stuff. I've been enjoying her, her solo title with 
just so many things happening and uh, the idea of stepping away from some of that zaniness and going to a classic heist feel but maybe not losing all of that zaniness because sometimes zany in a heist can make a caper that much more well enjoyable how about you steve like you said um catwoman since its return at the end of the uh, either loved or hated batman 50 and the non-wedding has been really great reading every single issue um joel jones's run was fantastic one of the greatest uh, writer artist talents out there but um yeah I, said, I was i was disappointed when i heard she was moving on but who they've got doing the title until 25 is great the new issue is really good we received that inbox this morning ready for us to review for next week and yeah ram v um guys if you want to read independent comics his title these savage shores for vault comics is fantastic oh, he's co-writing and taking over as full-time writer on justice league dark yeah great great stuff and for another blanco like i said um if you read uh, the most recent run of batwoman which ended a couple of years back his art is great and perfect 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 for catwoman he he draws selena as cat-like as anyone else i've ever seen he's a terrific artist so like you said seth great get great talents writing great stories with great characters uh, and everybody wins and so i'm really excited about catwoman's future and with the 80 page giant out next week i've already started reading it uh, my review is going to be another dissertation of several thousand words like the nice. detective comics <laughs> and the robin 80 80 page spectacular was uh so yeah looking forward to that immensely so ah uh, professor steve <laughs> oh yes and subject for today children is catwoman meow um yeah really looking forward to that so great great good news good news good news and we're going to stick with the good news right to the end of the show here's another piece again strong female character who deserves her time in the spotlight wonder woman's um sort of twin nubia a character who i've been a fan of for a long long time is getting her own modern era comic story exciting news indeed brad what did you make of this one uh, I've said many times uh, that this is kind of a golden age to be a DC fan. And I think it's kind of books like this are kind of examples of that. DC has such a cool stable of characters to draw from and to use a character uh, like Nubia, bring her into the modern age to, to represent, you know, inclusivity and representation and things like that. It's the perfect time. The, um, and with these kind of, YA books, uh, they're reaching a whole new audience. So I think that her time has come. I, I, uh, I'm kind of excited to read this. I think it'll be a fun story. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Definitely excited to read this. I mean, the question that leads this uh, little brief intro is phenomenal. Can you be a hero if society doesn't see you as a person? And the idea of showing up on every scene and being viewed as a threat I can't think of a more timely, uh, a better time and a more timely story in which for it to be told than right now. I, I love the idea that it's coming out. I, I would be thrilled if it was coming out next month and it could be something that could offer a narrative that I think a lot of 
people would enjoy and many would feel is is needed it's it's a challenge to consider that if it's not something you ever have to consider and i think it's important to show that someone with the amazing gifts of Wonder Woman is going to be treated differently if they don't look like Wonder Woman, if they don't fit the perception of what a Wonder Woman-like figure should look like, how they should act, or what they should represent. And on top of it, the fact that you're you're given these amazing powers and you feel frustrated by how you can defend your friend, uh, this is a story that is going to do what, Brad, you were saying all of these YA books have done. I've been moved by so many of them. Gotham High blew me out of the water. Uh, I'll give you a teaser. I'm reading You Brought Me the Ocean. And there's a moment or two where yeah. you just got to stop and think to yourself, like, this will move you to tears if you let yourself get swept up in it. And it's so easy to do. And then you look at the gorgeous art, that moment with Wonder Woman in that preview holding out the bracelets the look of pure ec ecstasy, like that ecstatic joy on Nubia's face. Uh, I see so many reasons to be excited for this story. I'm going to show a little restraint and then turn it over to my good friend, Mr. Steve. Your thoughts, my friend. A, a character, as you said, you've loved for so long and are looking forward to being celebrated. Oh, your excitement is, is, is well earned and well-deserved honestly i couldn't agree more i mean let's be honest here and we've mentioned it before no one can touch dc when it comes to the greatest female comics characters uh i've had arguments with shopkeepers who say that yeah yeah that's because dc did it first doesn't mean they did it best well yeah guy it does because i love kitty pride i used to love Jean gray I love Storm, but none of those characters have ever managed to last more than a couple of years in their own title. Wonder Woman's been running for 80 years, and Nubia and the Amazons, if there's not a stronger example of female strength while still being feminine and, and everything else that goes with it, than those characters, what is? Patty Jenkins' movies, the fact we're getting an Amazon movie, and like you said, looking at what's happening in America right now, and the way some people are treated and the way others are is just heartbreaking. And we've always maintained that the most powerful fiction, the most successful fiction is the one that holds that mirror up to society and says, listen, hey, look at what's going on in the real world. That's what's happening in our pages. We're putting a fantastical spin on it, but it's the same kind of stuff you're seeing on your streets every single day. And like you so eloquently said, Seth, Nubia's face at being handed over those bracelets. The fact that she can be Wonder Woman. Put yourself in the position of every little girl out there picking up a comic book and saying, hey, that superhero looks like me. I can be that superhero. Um, when they cast Jodie Whittaker as the first female Doctor Who, lots of stupid, oh, chauvinistic, idiotic, so-called fans, not my Doctor, this, that and the other. Well, she really is and um, spectacular at it. So here, here for showing people <laughs> sides of themselves that they can celebrate and not just being victims or or dark side of Trump's evil dystopian America and the sooner that man's out the better these are the kind of stories that children will become comics fan because of and, and that to me in and of itself 
is a winning winning thing i mean guys i mean what do you make of that side of the story i just kind of wish that i was more familiar with the character before i'd heard about this story uh i think i'm going to have to go and kind of do more of my research because steve you said that you had been a fan for years and i uh, i realize i'm not that familiar so I, I think one thing I want to do is to kind of check out some of the stories that she's appeared in. A lot and, of the best stuff is more recently, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I love also, Brad, you brought up a really interesting point. <laughs> There's a wealth of, of content available from Wonder Woman that parents could read <laughs> in uh, coordination with reading this with their kids or, you know, reading it. Uh, reading, you know, the Wonder Woman books and then talking with a, a child who's read this book or is in the process of reading it and have uh, a conversation about things that are brought up in both books and also what it can mean for Steve, I think, as you put it so well, what it can mean to to pick up um, a book and see yourself. I was lucky enough a while back to work with some guys on a great game. And one of the guys wrote this great blog about representation and what it meant when he could see heroes that look like him, what it meant to see characters in shows that he could identify with, because that could be him in some way, at some point, in some time, in some future. And um, man, if if there's a if there's a reason for doing something, it should be that you can bring about that experience for any reader, and that they can walk away afterwards and say. I have more possibility in my future than I was aware of. And I have more hope for how much closer I can get to that possibility because I read the story of someone who showed me how you can do it, how you can still live up to the ideals that are important to you, that you're raised with, and that you can display them, especially in the times when it's the hardest. I mean, when it comes to an inspirational story, when it comes to something I can hang my hat on regarding hope, this looks like the story that uh, that I have no problem saying. Here, take a look. Be inspired. We'll talk after. And uh, I'm going to enjoy the conversation as much as you are. So I'm really moved by this, man. I, uh, I think it's a brilliant thing. And I love also the fact that there's content in the meantime that you can enjoy while you're waiting for it to come out in February. Steve, final thoughts? great stuff yeah uh brad with nubia she was like um the first of the ultimate wonder women um before artemis or anything else like that uh, i think she first appeared in the early 70s mid 70s i can't remember she'll run about mm-hmm. the issue 200 mark and um it was groundbreaking things so i remember it being one of those comics that uh, relatives from the states and from Canada brought over to the UK, and I, I was watching Wonder Woman on TVs in the cartoon, and then I saw Nubia, and she was like just like Wonder Woman, but again different, a different aspect of the character. Different singer. Um, then back in the 90s, I think she had a resurgence, um, oh, but she's been going for years, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a character that I've encountered. You must have. Story. Yeah, I'm sure I have. I just have to kind of refresh my memory. Yeah, and uh, she's appeared in... I mean, she's never had a long run on her own, apart from a few issues where she took over as Wonder Woman, but she's appeared in Supergirl. Um, I think she was even in a couple of episodes of Super Friends, the old cartoon series. So yeah. she's been around for most of my life, and seeing her getting one of these, like you said, Seth, 
brilliant new young um, young adult graphic novels, all of which have been absolutely stellar, is really, really good. Um, listeners, if there's one out there who can um, give us some more news, I'm fairly sure she's been around since the 70s or, or May, I don't know, not, not before that, no. Since the 70s onwards, and what other big stories she's appeared in? Um, one great appearance was a cameo in um, Final Crisis um, with the Val Zod uh, Superman of um, the alternate Earth as well. So great news. Really, really good stuff. I'm really happy about that. Mm. And sticking with the good news. Um, digital, I know, but anything that keeps us um, on the Batman train until the series resumes publication is great news and now dc's instagram channel has exclusive batman previews ahead of the title's return in a few weeks time great news for bat fans like me brad what did you make of it yeah as much as i you know just bemoaned digital comics a few minutes ago uh i think this is a kind of a cool idea to promote the return uh, especially when the story features Punchline, which is a character that has an, a crazy amount of buzz going around her right now. Uh, I, I would check these out just because I want to know more about the character. So I think that once we're done recording, I'm going to have to go to DC's Instagram and uh, and read these uh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's me a, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, I think it is a uh, a cool idea to promote the return of the book. Seth, what do you think? <laughs> I think this is such a smart thing because it seems like it's almost like this like security blanket that phones have become now and like opening and flipping to content has become like a way for people in their nervous fidgety times or just whatever times. However, it works as sort of a therapeutic experience that it's something that they're going to do to check to see if there's something new to break the monotony that sometimes occurs when you've done all the puzzles, read a lot of books you know, just need to fill some, you know, headspace for a bit instead of either worrying or finding the next thing to occupy. You've got a great experience on social media that's going to tell you a story that's going to get you excited for things that are coming. I mean, if you're going to have an Instagram page and you're a big publisher like DC, why not use this platform to show a digital story that's going to get people excited about other stuff that's coming up, that's going to, you know, lay it out in the the 10 panel story format. And I mean, really, it's a smart way of looking at, I believe it was Morrow. He had that really great thing when he was talking about what TV was capable of. And he said, but if you don't take advantage of what it's capable of, it's just a box, right? And you look at a phone and what it can do, but if you don't do the things that are possible with that format, with that platform, you, you sort of, you know, you're only taking it at face value. You're not looking at what the potential is. This shows me some great potential. I love the thinking behind it. I love the possibilities it could open up. That's that's really what, what sort of caught my attention. And with a character like Punchline that everyone wants to know more about. How about you, Steve? Everyone wants to know more about we've said it time and again this character has literally blown the minds of fandom everywhere and to get these sneak peeks of her 
in a great little format and yes we did bemoan digital comics but this is slightly different this is like little previews tidbits uh things to get readers excited that you can just pick up when you're sitting on a bus or if you're bored at home during the lockdown and read these things to really get you excited when the full comic comes out and it's like you said a brilliant use of technology ways to make these little gadgets in our hands a little bit more special a little bit more magical not just something to call work or um to listen to something on the way on the bus to keep you bored to to actually read and engage you and keep you interested in the stuff you collect as well it's great use of technology great use of social media and something that really makes me smile and the fact that the writers and artists have put in the extra effort to give this to fans like the way jim lee's been doing with his sketches and all these other talented artists like liam sharp have done for charity it's just heartwarming and for huge comic nerds like me it just makes me smile um more comics any which way you can give them to me please yep i'm there i'm invested thank you right and for our final comics related story of the day Birds of Prey, Sirens of Justice, number one, has been given a DC preview. So another Harley title, but with Huntress and others. Brad, what did you make of this story? Yeah, I'm a fan of Gail Simone's run on the Birds of Prey. So bringing Harley into that world, yeah, definitely gets me excited. I think that it makes perfect sense that I can't wait to see what she does with the story. So, yeah, this is kind of a a good news story to to end on for sure. Asa, what do you think? This is a great news story to end on. I mean, <laughs> Birds of Prey was such a fun movie. I'm so thankful to Brad, you, and Steve for pointing that out to me and saying, hey, man, you got to watch this. You just got to check it out. And then knowing how excited a writer like Gail Simone was about it to see things that she wanted that were important to her coming to life on that screen. And now getting a chance to see someone as talented as her bringing uh, another chapter of that story to life in this page. And there was something great about this preview that came with this story. And it was as you get to that final panel. And I love Harley Quinn, how she's saying, you know, in Gotham, we got this spectrum. And as soon as she said that, I thought to myself, and what a great way to portray it with these characters. You know, you you know that in Gotham, you've got this spectrum, but there's there's a brilliance to a writer who tells you something and then shows you it throughout a story. And I felt this was a perfect setup for that. It makes me think that this is going to be a great first issue and that if that's the approach, then there's going to be this idea that's going to be introduced at times and then demonstrated throughout the story and what we can gain from it. Well, great story, great characters. And I'm curious to see what insights might come with it. Great story for us to uh, close the uh, episode on. Steve, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Great stuff. Seeing Harley on screen with uh, Huntress and Black Canary was awesome but seeing her on the comic book page with these characters it legitimizes the film in a a big way because so many people were up in arms saying "Uh uh-uh it's not barbara gordon it's not birds of prey Uh uh-uh harley quinn was never part of the team seeing them on the comic book page together 
makes the film even better in my book it just adds a lot more validity to it and i love the film um others may not but i thought it was a great piece of entertainment it's a film i'll happily watch again and so will my wife and so will my son so any film that gets us together as a family again winner winner chicken dinner and to get a new title a new bird of prey written by gail simone hey who's going to say no to that like you said brad her run on that series and her run on batgirl superb great writer and if you follow her online she will both crease you up and terrify you with her wit witticism her condemnation of the current situation with american politics if you don't follow Gail Simone on Twitter, you're really missing out, especially if you're a comics fan. She is an absolute legend. So, yeah, happy news indeed. That's the way we want to end a show. Forget the cancellations. Forget the negativity. Forget the darkness. This is a little ray of sunshine in a strange and twisted world. And that brings the 73rd episode of the DC Comics News podcast to an end. I've been joined by two of the most wonderful people you could ever hope to have a conversation with, with Brad and Seth. So, Brad, Seth, let the world know, where can they see more of you? Where can they engage with you and pick your mighty brains? Brad. Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at dccomicsnews.com. Uh, you can... Follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1, and you can also uh, hear me talking about the Harley Quinn series on the Mad Love podcast with uh, you guys. And that's where you can find me. As for me, well, I'm going to keep it simple. My little French bulldog, Bruno, just burst in the door if you can hear him snarbling right now. And that announcement tells me, you know what? You don't care about me. You care about my dogs, Bruno and Fiji on Instagram. Check them out. They'll make you laugh. They'll make you smile. You'll never believe that a little animal that small could snore so humanly loud. It's impressive. I mean, I'm a grown man, and sometimes he's, well, much more thunderous than I. So check that out. News and reviews on DC Comics News. And, you know, just type my name into a search engine, and we see what happens. How about you, Steve? You can find me by searching Steve J. Ray on the search engine of choice, and that'll lead you to all my news, reviews, and interviews, both on DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News. I'm also editor-in-chief. If you want to read about lots of other stuff that isn't necessarily just Batman or DC, then search for Fantastic Universes, a site I run with lots of dear friends and family. And you can chat to me. Please do. I love interacting with everyone out there about these brilliant podcasts we make, um, not just this show, like we said, the Harley Quinn cast, Seth Spinnerack, and my own Batman the Animated Series um, show, I Am the Knight. Talk to me on Twitter at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O, about all that stuff or anything else you want to talk about, be it Batman, be it comics, be it movies, be it sci-fi, be it Star Wars. I am here to talk to everyone who's interested. And so is the DC Comics News and Dark Knight News Network. You can catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. And you can catch this show by doing at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S on Tinternet and search engines. This show and all the others we've mentioned can be found on Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google Play and, of course, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And that's it from us. We've had a great time speaking to you all about all the wonderful DC Comics news. But there's something that everyone out there really needs to do. And that is... Read more comics. <laughs> 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 Beach Boys type unison, but... <laughs> Have a great week. We'll see you all next week, guys. All the best. Bye-bye.